0: So let's, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for the privilege we have to come before you. We thank you for the worship here today. We thank you. It's a, such a joy to be in your presence, worshiping you, sensing and feeling your presence and your love and affirmation for us. And Lord, we open up our hearts to you. We thank you for what you want to do in our lives today. We ask that you touch us through the word and through the spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You know, every believer would do great to have a circle of friends that are passionate about Jesus. Think of this godly friends are nurturing people who bring out the best in us. Godly friends are essential because they promote godly values and they help us build Christ like character. Godly friends also bring accountability into our lives. They help us grow, and godly friends are life-giving. How many can I get an amen about that? They're life-giving. They're fun to be with, and they bring joy and happiness and fulfillment in our lives. I like what the uh, proverb says in Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. It says, "As iron sharpens iron, so a friend." sharpens a friend. A good friend brings out the best in you. Wouldn't you agree to that? Yeah. They sharpen you. They, they cause you to rise up to be the best person that you can be. But listen, your greatest and most loyal friend today, hallelujah, is Jesus. Amen. He'll never let you down. He is faithful from beginning to end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for Jesus today? We worshiped him today. We sensed his presence today. I'm so glad that the fire in my life hasn't gotten dim. It's just grown stronger over these past 40 years. I thank God I'm more in love for Jesus than I've ever been because of the love that he's put in my heart and in my life. Hallelujah. That's room for shouting ground right now. How many are thankful for Jesus in your life? Aren't you glad that he came down on your level? He touched you with his everlasting love. Hallelujah. He put a fire in your life. Yeah. Don't ever let that fire go out. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, in the Bible, we can look in the Old Testament that Abraham was called the friend of God because of his faith and trust in him. The Bible records in James two twenty three that Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called what? The friend of God. Think about that. Jesus, over the the communion meal with his disciples, he told them this in John 15, 13, and 14, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And he said, you are my friends if you do what I command so when we come to Jesus, we're born again, and God drops a measure of faith into our heart, and we begin to exercise faith, we believe, we act upon what He says, He calls us His friend. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He brings us into His inner circle, if you will. That's right. Listen, Jesus is the most reliable and faithful friend you will ever have because He's laid His life down for you, that all of your needs, your innermost, most deepest needs in your life would be met Mm -hmm. hallelujah jimmy evans writes in his book marriage on the rock which i think is i mean that's like the bible for marriage if you're a married couple and you haven't gotten that book man i encourage you to get and read that book not just once but several times but in his book at the beginning of his book he says there are four basic needs all human beings are instinctively motivated to satisfy all their lives Let's take a look at those needs. The number one need is acceptance. Acceptance. Knowing you are loved and needed by others. That's a core need everybody has. Number two, identity. Knowing that you are significant and uniquely special. That's a core need in all of our lives. Number three, security. Knowing you are well-provided, well-protected, and provided for. That's a core need of our hearts. And then number four, purpose. Knowing you have a reason for living. And not just a temporal reason. I'm talking about a divine purpose for life. Amen? Think of these four key needs. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. Many people will look to their career to fulfill those things they'll look to possessions or uh, accomplishments to to fulfill those needs in their life or they'll look to their spouse or to to a friend or their kids or or other relationships to fulfill that need in their life but you can only have those core needs in your life fully met and fully satisfied by putting your trust in the lord amen, amen. Yeah. He is the one who meets our deepest need. He is stable, he's reliable, and he never ever changes. He'll be there for you from the beginning to the end and every season of your life. He is a faithful and true friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, you're awfully quiet, man. Come on. Jesus is so good. He's so faithful. He's so true. He's your El Shaddai. He's got everything in the palm of his hands. He can work things out in your life. Praise God. But you have to trust in the Lord. How many are trusting in the Lord today? I'm looking at a bunch of folks that trust in the Lord. I love this scripture in Jeremiah chapter 17 from the NASB version. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. Is the Lord the primary object of your trust today? Listen, to what happens to a man or a woman who trusts in the Lord? Verse 8 says, For he or she will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. See, it doesn't matter what goes on around in our life, whether there's negative circumstances, whether there's disappointments or disillusionment or brokenness, no matter what has happened in your life, there is someone who will be there for you. And his name is Jesus. I trust that you've put your full reliance and trust in the Lord today. Amen. Amen. You know, a problem occurs, though, when we misplace the object of our trust. And, and people do this all the time. You know, think about this. Trusting in people and things to meet these needs in your life creates unrealistic expectations in your, lo- in, in your relationships. And, you know, unre- unrealistic expectations in, in a marriage, in a relationship, in a friendship creates tension. And it leads to disappointment and frustration. You know, Cheryl and I, we've been married for 37 years. Is that right, honey? 37. I got it right. Got that right. Guys, pay attention and watch, okay? Right. But you know, I make a poor Jesus to Cheryl. Her need for acceptance. Yes, I can provide some acceptance. I can provide some sense of an identity to her. I can provide some security to her. I can I can encourage her in her purpose, but ultimately, Her need for acceptance, identity, purpose, and security has got to originate from her own personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the best of friends are people who are are passionate about Jesus. Man, their candle has been lit. They have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. They have a regular daily devotional life, as Pastor Josh has been sharing with us, about staying full. Staying full with the Spirit. Staying full with the Word of God. Man, that positions you and makes you to be a person who can constantly give of yourself in your relationships. Amen. Amen. Trusting someone or something that you cannot predict or control and whose resources to meet your needs are limited will leave you disappointed. Trust God instead. He is totally faithful. He is totally uh, reliable and he has unlimited resources. He is El Shaddai. The God who's more than enough. Come on, somebody. When Jesus meets the core needs of your heart, your soul becomes whole. Tell someone, your soul becomes whole. That may not happen immediately when you give your life to the Lord. Of course, we understand we have to walk with him and allow his word to wash us clean, change the way we think, change the way we feel, change the, the decisions that we make. But think about this, your soul. Your thinker, your feeler, your chooser can sometimes get messed up. Hello. By the experiences of life, we all deal with negative situations and circumstances that we've had to deal with. We've all had opportunities for offense and, and, and misunderstandings with people in our life that, that can put a chip on our shoulder. But you know, if we, if we take time to be with Jesus, if we take time to feed on his word, if we take time to allow the Holy Spirit to encourage us and comfort us, you know, he'll take those things out of your life. He'll deal with you in a very kind and loving way to remove those things out of your life. Amen. 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 You can't have healthy, nurturing friendships when your thinker, feeler, and chooser is all messed up. You got to get that thing in order. You got to allow the washing of the water of God's word to cleanse you free from offenses, free from the past, free from negativity so that you can be a giving person. Amen. Amen. Believe God today for a circle of godly friends that you can give and receive from. Amen. Remember 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, We have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Think about that powerful truth. The spirit draws believers of like precious faith together. Think about your own story and how you came to International Family Church. There were orchestrations in your life leading up to the time when you connected with International Family Church. Because right here in this pool in this body, in this family, there are some awesome, dynamic, on fire, passionate believers for Jesus. And you have the opportunity to connect and get to know and begin to give and begin to receive. That's what makes life full. That's what makes life rich. Amen. Aren't you glad you're not here by accident? You're not here by happenstance. You were here by the leadings of the Holy Spirit, whether it was through circumstances or it was through a prompting in your heart. I was talking with a young lady who, you know, she was telling me that years ago, a friend of uh her her grandmother 's friend brought her to church as a very young girl, and recently a couple of years she was looking for our church and finally she found our church and 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 connected with us and jumped back in. There was a little seed planted in her heart yeah amen. Yeah. And and she knew enough that God had a place for her. God had a family for her. God had a community of people where she could go and make some friends and grow in the things of God. Yeah. I never take those things for lightly. The spirit of God draws believers together so that we can together grow and mature. You can't grow by yourself. You've got to have community yeah. and not just any community. We're not talking about, you know, some club. We're talking about Christ centered yeah. community yeah. where the presence and power of God yeah. is there. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew eighteen twenty, he said, for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. You know, I love small groups. I love uh, being in a small group situation where you're talking about the things of God and and, and, and it's amazing to see how the Holy Spirit can work the conversation so that all of a sudden, man, you find yourself being encouraged or you find yourself encouraging someone else. And you find scriptures coming to mind. You find, you know, things coming out of your heart flowing. And, and, and it just makes for a rich conversation, a rich time of fellowship, Amen? Amen. And that's something that we should have on, in our day, in our week, in our month, all throughout our life. We should have those things on a regular, continuous basis. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you, how can I enjoy a Christ-centered friendship, a Christ-centered relationship? The answer is simple. Become a trustworthy friend. Amen. Become a trustworthy friend. And I want to just share with you just four simple things of of what it means to become a trustworthy friend and how to become a trustworthy friend. You know, our friendship with the Lord is based on trust. We understand that. And certainly every human relationship is based on some level of trust, whether it's in business or whether it's in your personal life. So here are four things that you can do to set yourself up to have an inner circle of believers in your life that you can give and receive from, that will make your life rich. Number one, set boundaries. Set boundaries. It's so important that you set boundaries for yourself, how you will treat others and how you expect others to treat you. That's really key. And I can't think of a better text of Scripture than First Corinthians chapter four, uh, 13, verses 4 to 7. We call it the love chapter. And especially from uh, the Amplified Version, it gives you kind of a a picture of what your disposition should be like toward others. Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning with verse 4, says, Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious, and it does not display itself haughtily. Well, I'll I'll stick my name in there. Tom endures long and is patient in kind. Well, I don't feel that way. No, you make that declaration over yourself. Replace the word love with your own first name. Amen. (laughs) Verse 5, it is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. I'll stick my name in there. Tom is not conceited arrogant, and inflated with pride. Tom is not rude and unmannerly. Thank God for marriage. I got some of those bad manners roughed off me because of Cheryl. Amen. Is, I'm not rude, unmannerly. I do not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Oh, that's a biggie right there. You're not insisting on your own way. You know, the bottom line to failed marriages is selfishness. It's self-centeredness. And, you know, when you get born again and you have the Christ in you, you move from, hopefully, self-centeredness to Christ-centeredness. You move from a taker to a giver. Amen? Verse, uh, we go on here, For it is not self-seeking, it is not touchy or fretful or resentful, It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Boy, that list is just a big list, isn't it? Verse 6, it does not rejoice at injustice or in righteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. And here's my favorite part. Verse 7, love bears up under anything, and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Can you say that about yourself? I am ever ready to believe the best of every person. Amen. 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 I mean, you look at that, that list of qualities that makes for a trustworthy friend. That means, oh, I need to spend some more time in the word. I need to spend more time in prayer. I need to spend more time with Jesus. Lord Jesus, wash me clean. Lord, change me from the inside out. Make me a giving person. Amen. Amen. All right. So set boundaries. That's really important. Setting boundaries prevents wrong expectations. It stops manipulating people. It stops control. It will prevent abuse. Amen. Meditate on the love chapter. Be the friend you want others to be to you. You don't need a large inner circle, just two or three, and you're rich. Mm -hmm. Just two or three, and you're rich. Amen. The second thing I think is really important is give encouragement and affirmation. Be the person who encourages. Be the person who affirms. Let the speech in your life be seasoned with salt so it ministers grace to the people in your life. It builds them up. Your, your dialogue should always be positive, never critical, never condescending. Amen. Yeah, I know some people are getting feeling really hurt right now, but this is a good word for you. Amen. Amen this sharpens us. You know, I think about the, uh, the relationship of Barnabas and Paul. We find the relationship of Barnabas and Paul in the book of Acts, and first it was Saul and Barnabas, and then after a period of time, the, the, the book of Acts talks about Barnabas and uh, Paul and Barnabas. But let's take a look at what happened between them in Acts chapter 9, verse 26 and 27. The scripture reads here, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he joined, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And they did not believe that he was a disciple. Well, we know that, you know, uh, Saul was uh, wreaking havoc with the church. He was overseeing persecution at the church and against the church. And he had papers from the religious leaders to throw Christians in jail. So he had a reputation. But the scripture goes on to say, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Barnabas saw something in Saul's life. Yeah, he had a past. Yeah, he had a reputation. But Barnabas believed in the miracle of a changed life. Amen. Amen. And Jesus can change the hardest of sinners. That was Paul's experience. Listen, you've got to believe that people can change. you got to believe that the people in your life Can change. No, 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 you're not the one to change them. So take off the mitts and pull back and pray and let God do the work. Let the Holy Spirit do the work in people's heart. But you've got to believe that people can change. Give people the benefit of the doubt that they'll be better next time around. Barnabas was a believer in miracles, primarily the miracle of a changed life. He believed in Saul. The known persecutor of the church world at that time before anyone else would. And Barnabas took a risk by befriending Saul. He could have been ostracized by the disciples, but he believed in the power of a changed life and he took a risk. And, you know, when you step into a new relationship, you're always going to have a risk. There's always risks. And so, you know, you've got to be willing to believe that God is bigger than those risks. That God can work in the hearts of people. That God can change and make someone better. After all, didn't he do that for you? Yeah. Did it for me. Amen. We read again in 2 Corinthians five sixteen. Paul said this. And I think this is really good when it comes to viewing friendships in our life, especially believers. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Praise God. We should be looking past the imperfections in people's lives and see the potential that's on the inside of them. See Jesus on the inside of them. Come on, say amen, somebody. Again, we look in Acts chapter 11, the story of Saul and Barnabas, and here it says that when the church at Jerusalem heard what happened... There was revival taking place in Antioch. They, they choose to send Barnabas to Antioch. And, and when Barnabas had arrived, he saw the evidence of God's blessing. There was joy. And so he encouraged the believers to stay true the, to the Lord. And verse 24 says, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith. That means he was full of the word and full of the Spirit. And many people were brought to the Lord. And then, notice this in verse 25, Barnabas went on to Troas, to Tarsus, to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. When Barnabas saw the opportunity to disciple these new believers the first thing he thought of was Saul. He thought, I know what God's doing in Saul. Saul has a gift in his life. Amen. Amen. And so he sought him out and he brought him there to Antioch. And there at Antioch for a whole year, I'm sure their friendship was growing deep. Amen. I'm sure Saul uh, began to operate in the gifts that God placed in his life as a result of his new birth experience. Amen. If you want a life-changing friendship, rich in purpose, be like a Barnabas. He was full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, the Word of God, and he was an encourager. Amen. Amen. I love what John Maxwell says. Here's a quote from John C. Maxwell. Encouragement is oxygen for the soul. It takes very little effort to give it, but but the return in others is huge. Amen. It, you know, it's, it's just a shift in your mindset to speak life, to speak blessings, yes. to speak encouragement. Amen. Yes. amen. Oh, I'm preaching better than your amen to me this amen. morning. Praise God. The third thing is be supportive. Be supportive. In other words, be a good listener. You know, have you ever been around someone who loves to talk and they love to hear themselves talk? Oh, yeah. That can be taxing that can wear you out after a while right yeah. but everybody loves to be heard everybody loves to be listened to everybody loves to have someone in their life that shows personal interest in them so how do i be supportive be a good listener listen so as to understand people's hearts you know the 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 way you find out about a person is just give them time to talk. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if if you give them enough time, you'll discover what their passions are. You'll discover what their dreams are. You'll discover what their interests are. Amen. That's how we build friendship. We become supportive. Be a good listener. Listen so as to understand and not judge give wise counsel. Now, what is wise counsel? Don't give them two pieces, you know, $2.50 piece of your mind. Give them a counsel that says, well, what does the word say? What does the word say? Always go back to the word to give someone good counsel or good encouragement. What does the word say? Proverbs 27, 9 says, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense.'" Ladies, how many enjoy putting on some sweet perfume? Just a couple hands went up. Okay. Yeah. Guys, how many like dousing yourself with a little cologne? A little. I do. A little. Just a little. Not too overpowering, right? Okay. Heartfelt counsel of a friend is sweet. It's a blessing. It's an encouragement. And that's what should be happening in friendship. So if you'll make yourself available and be a support to someone, you will become a trustworthy friend. What's a friend do? They agree in prayer. They're present in tough times. They throw a party when you succeed. Those are the kinds of friends I enjoy. Jesus said, if, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they will ask, my Father in heaven will give it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. You know, when someone asks you to pray, don't say, yeah, I'll pray for you, bro. No, just take time right there. Well, let's agree. You have a scripture, something you're believing God for. Let's agree and pray right now. Amen. Friends agree in prayer. Amen. And they stand in agreement until the prayer comes to pass. And then finally, here's a good one. Granting forgiveness. Granting forgiveness. Do you know that behind every misunderstanding or conflict in a relationship, that there is the possibility for greater understanding, for greater appreciation, for greater companionship. Amen. Don't let offenses stand in between you building a deeper friendship. Offenses and misunderstandings, hurt feelings, they all come to all of us. We all experience them. That's why it's so important that we learn to be quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. Everybody say that. Quick to forgive. Don't nurse those problems. Don't nurse those words that were said. Don't wor- uh, nurse those thoughts that you perceive someone said something this way and it wasn't meant to be that way. Come on. That's where the devil gets in. Hello. And you go to bed at night and, and guess who's in bed with you? The devil. He's, he's whispering in your ear and you're, he's nursing that. And then all of a sudden the, the emotions kick in. Oh, yeah. And then you're getting emotional and then you can't sleep. Hello? Don't let those things get in the way. Be quick to forgive. It's so important that we learn how to grant forgiveness. It's not an issue of who's wrong and who's right. There's a relationship at stake here. There's something that God wants to do here. Don't let the devil get in there. Be the first one to say, I'm sorry. You know, I grew up in a household of seven kids. I was the oldest of seven. And, you know, there was plenty of uh, opportunities for us kids to fight and and get upset and, and hurt one another's feeling. And, you know, I grew up in a household. If you didn't say sorry, you had a chair and you sat in the corner until you were ready to get up and say sorry. And, you know, unfortunately, we sat in that corner for a long time. I'm not going to incriminate myself, but you understand what I'm saying. We stood in that because we were stubborn. We were proud. My feelings were hurt. Be be, Be the first to say, I'm sorry, even if you were in the right. Amen? There's a scripture that Jesus gives us in the Gospels, and it says, Be therefore merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. It's this law of reciprocity. If you need mercy, be a merciful person. If you need forgiveness, be a person who forgives. Be that person that you want others to be to you. It'll be like a magnet. You'll draw the right people when you live that way. Verse 38, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will men give unto you. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. That's not just talking about finances. That's talking about human relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad today that Jesus extended to you the free gift of pardon? He was quick to forgive. When he hung on that cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Right there in the midst of his suffering, his disconnect from God, he forgave. Amen. Amen. Today I wanna invite those of you that are watching today or those of you might be here for the very first time or you're new here at International Family Church. Christ has extended the free gift of pardon to each and every one of us. Have you accepted that free gift? Have you acknowledged that you have that need in your life to be forgiven? We live in a fallen world. Things are not perfect. In fact, things are getting crazier and crazier as the days go by. But God, 2,000 years ago, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And Jesus had His hands open wide and said, Father, forgive them. That forgiveness is free. Would you receive it today? Would you accept it into your life today? Once you receive forgiveness, you have the ability, the capacity to forgive others. When you accept Christ into your life, the Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. We have a new capacity for relationships, for friendships to go deep, meaningful, rewarding, and fulfilling. I'd like to pray a simple prayer with you today. If you're here today in the auditorium or you're watching online and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, opened your heart to him allow him to touch you with his love would you pray this prayer with me i'm going to ask all of us here in the auditorium just pray this simple prayer and just mean it from your heart today god in heaven i believe that you sent jesus to die on the cross for my sins jesus i accept the free gift of pardon come into my heart I make you my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, the Bible says you've been born again. Let's praise God for those who made that prayer for the very first time. Amen.